This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This week on Podcast Royal, we recap Prince and Princess of Wales' whirlwind trip to Boston, Harry and Meghan's night in New York City, more racism allegations at the palace and the diplomatic corps reception. Plus, as Harry and Meghan's docuseries drops, royals are getting into the holiday spirit as we see the king and queen consort's first Christmas card on the throne and prepare for Catherine's second annual carol concert this week. All of this and so much more on episode 80 of Podcast Royal. Welcome back to Podcast Royal. I just said episode 80, and we've got to mark this landmark milestone. Happy episode 80. We're in the 80s now. We're octogenarians. (laughs) How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I am fresh home from Boston, completely uncaught up on my life, spinning, spiraling, happy holidays, everyone, (laughs) but, but very, very happy. So excited to chat with you about everything that's happened in the last two weeks in the Royal family, which is maybe one of the busier last two weeks we've had in a long time. Yeah, it really is. When we were putting these notes together, I know we had to cut some of we the did. stories because we really just had too much content to squeeze in here. So it was kind of a, a game of picking what we thought people wanted to hear. And I know something everybody really wants to hear about is your trip. And we've got a couple yes. questions for you this episode. So I'm excited to dive in and, and not make them wait any longer. Let's um Let's go ahead and jump into the Royal Rundown. Yeah, let's do it. Actually, you're right. A lot of things ended up on the cutting room floor this episode, but hopping into the Royal Rundown, as you said, so we learned right after our last episode came out. So I guess I should say we recorded on the 28th, which was a Monday. And then, yeah, I guess it would be right after our last episode came out on November 30th, um, that Queen Consort Camilla was, or I don't remember when this news story came out, but it leads into a bigger news story that came out on the 30th. But Queen Consort Camilla is doing things a bit differently during her reign. I have a feeling this that won't be the last time that we say those words. But in this instance, I'm talking about she is replacing the traditional ladies-in-waiting with what she is calling companions. So these are six women whose role is to support Camilla at official engagements. And unfortunately for Camilla, her companions came into the forefront in a way she certainly never could have anticipated or desired. So at a palace reception to combat violence and abuse against women on November 29th, that was a Tuesday, and that was an event hosted by Camilla, Susan Hussey, who is also Prince William's godmother, repeatedly, it's really disturbing, the the transcript provided by Ngozi Fulani, she repeatedly asked domestic abuse activist Ngozi Fulani racially loaded and really offensive questions. I don't even want to repeat them here because because they are pretty offensive, uh, basically asking her where she was from, not believing her when she said that she was from Britain, 
So Hussey later resigned and apologized and Buckingham Palace said, quote, we take this incident extremely seriously and have investigated immediately to establish the full details. So this is the news that was breaking on Wednesday, November 30th, when William and Catherine stepped off the plane in Boston around 2 p.m. that afternoon, I was actually told that they found out about this as they were um, getting ready to to get off the flight, which was actually a commercial flight. I found that very interesting. Can you imagine getting on a commercial flight from London to Boston, which I think is five or six hours and boom, there's the Prince and Princess of Wales. And I assume first class, I don't really know, but they flew commercial. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, really. So this, that, that was shocking. And then plus the drop the next day, December 1st of the teaser for Harry and Meghan's docuseries threatened to take all of the attention away from the important work that the Prince and Princess of Wales were doing stateside around environmentalism. Of course, listeners, you know, I told you this last episode that I was there. I was on the ground. I flew in Wednesday as well. So with that said, should I talk about my experience in Boston? Let's get right into it, shall we? Yes. And I have been waiting alongside our listeners because I know we, had we haven't even had the chance to catch up. We had planned to get to, to get together for dinner and then, you know, things have been a little busy. So I am ready to hear about your experience. Yes. And we do have dinner plans on Friday, but um, it, we, we will, of course, not make you wait one more second. Here we go. So on Wednesday, so keep in mind that I just found out on Sunday, the 27th, that I was going to Boston. So I had applied maybe six weeks prior to be in the press pool and had just found out on the 27th and was, you know, literally scrambling, canceling my entire week as it was planned, booking a flight, booking a hotel, um, getting transportation, figuring it all out, getting Celtics tickets, which were not provided to the press pool, paid out of happily paid out of my own pocket for those. So I arrived in Boston two hours late on Wednesday, which of course stresses me out because I had my schedule is like a domino. If, if, you know, if one thing went wrong, then everything else was going to fall apart. I, I made it to, uh, and there was, and by the way, this stresses me out so much. Nothing stresses me out more than planning things last minute. And then the night before, um, I get this alert from American airlines that storms are coming through DC and Boston. And there's very likely that my travel will be impacted and just like couldn't sleep. And then, so the storms, I don't know if you remember the night of Tuesday, November 29th in Birmingham, but it was really bad thunderstorms that night. And so I could not sleep every time I would nod off the thunderclap would wake me up. I was stressed out anyway. So it wasn't as bad as American airlines was preparing me for, but I was delayed. So I made it on time from Birmingham to Washington, DC. And then I was delayed in Washington, DC. So, um, I actually landed less than an hour before William and Catherine did. They landed around two o'clock, a little after two, even though I was supposed to arrive at 1130 that morning. So I have a dear, sweet friend, Mary, shout out to Mary, who picked me up from the airport. Mary and I met as uh, when I was at Ole Miss and she lives in Maine now. I also want to shout out my other Jessica friends. So I have two close friends named Jessica. One of them is you. And then mm-hmm. I have another one who actually took, um, so I didn't know that this briefing was going to happen, but um, there was a briefing from Kensington Palace at 1030 that morning while I was in the air then. And so she took that call for me and I very much appreciate both of them. Anyway, Mary shows up Chick-fil-A in hand, 
we got just a moment together before I checked into my hotel. All the media stayed at the Boston Park Plaza Hotel. I actually ran into, of all people, Robert Jobson the moment that I walked into the hotel. I think I texted you and I was like, you I just did. ran into Robert Jobson. <laughs> like, so for, so for me, I mean, you're going to hear listeners that there were a lot of celebrities that I saw this week, not the least of which were the Prince and Princess of Wales. But I also saw so many royal correspondents because we were all staying in the Boston Park Plaza. And so that like for me, like immediately was such a starstruck moment to see him in person. We've, we've interviewed Robert Jobson on the show. So I had to scuttle off to city hall. That is where the prince and princess's first engagement was. So I learned so much about Royal tours. Royal tours are truly a world unto themselves and some inside baseball for you listeners. When you are a part of the press pack, most events have what is called a fixed point where even if you aren't the pool reporter, which I'll explain what that is in a moment, you can go and see what's going on. And some of the events don't have a fixed point. So the event at City Hall, for example, did have a fixed point. I was not the assigned pool reporter, but I still got to go and watch it from the press pen. And um, and, and most of the events, I think there were only a couple that did not have a fixed point. So when you work in a pool, which is which I've been writing for a long time, but I've never worked in a pool until now, um, rather than have all 30 members of the press pack descend upon William and Kate at all of these events, there is one pool reporter, one print reporter that is assigned to each event. So that person is responding, like no pressure, right? Like it's a lot of pressure because you can't mess this up because everybody's depending on you. So like I was the pool reporter, we'll talk about this in a moment at Harvard. So I was the only that, and that had no fixed point. So I was the only print journalist from the U.S. in the room with Catherine. And so it was like, no, again, sarcasm, sarcasm here, no pressure. You've got to get it right. Cause you come <laughs> out, you come out of this event and your pool report is the basis for which everyone else is reporting is, is going to be off of. So you've got to get it right. So one reporter is given the pool assignment for each event. So there were eight engagements in these three days. And so there were eight different pool assignments and so the pool, am I making any sense? The pool reporter gets the yes. most access. And so that person gets the most access. Then they go back and write a pool report after it's distributed. Uh, and that's distributed to the entire press pack. And the rule is like, you can't hold back any details, like in my instance for Marie Claire. So you can't hold back any exclusives. Like you have to put everything in the, in the pool report. You can't hold anything back for yourself. You have to play fair. And so the U S press pool was about 30 from the U S and then the UK press, of course, were also there. I just mentioned Robert Jobson, Russell Myers was there. Russell Myers is gorgeous. I stared at Russell My mm -hmm. Myers for a very long time across the hotel restaurant, not not trying to be creepy. I spent a lot of time, every, pretty much any moment I was not at an engagement, I was at the Boston Park Plaza restaurant and bar working and also networking and also people watching. And it was like, literally every moment you're seeing like a Robert Jobson or a Russell Myers or a Carly Ledbetter. And so wow. anyway, so back to, which was enough, which would have been enough for me. Right. Cause I'm so starstruck and in awe. And like, I look up to his role model so much, all of these Royal reporters that we know and love, but anyway, so back to Wednesday night. So I was at the fixed point for the city hall welcome. And let me tell you, it was cold, rainy and wet in Boston that Wednesday night. It was the nastiest weather crowd still turned out though. I'd say there were about a thousand people out there. It was beyond worth 
enduring the weather to get my first glimpse of William and Catherine, you are not prepared for how striking and dazzling and just honestly impactful seeing them in person is. And so by the end of three hours in the rain, I literally could not feel my feet. I had the best Uber driver ever. And let me, let me pause myself here to say that the people of Boston were so lovely to me. I know, and we'll, I'm sure talk about this. I know that they got a lot of flack because they were, they were booed at the Celtics game. Then, you know, maybe not as welcoming initially to William and Catherine, but I will never get over the millions of kindnesses shown to me, be it from my endless Uber drivers. The U S press pool was not provided transportation. Meanwhile, the UK press pool were in charter buses. So let me tell you, that was frustrating because mm-hmm. I, was, I was, as I Ubered around and had to wait a million years, because not only were the prince and princess of Wales, in town, but so was the president. So there was so much security everywhere, so much traffic. And um, just anyway, so I had endless Uber drivers. They were all great. Police officers were great. There was so much security, as I said, just folks I met on the street. Um, This is only my second time to visit Boston. Have you ever been to Boston before? You know, it has been on my list for a really long time and I haven't made it yet. So great. I love it. I will certainly be back. I will go with you to Boston and I'm taking you to a Celtics game because that was one of the best sports experience. And I've been to a lot of sports games. I'm a huge sports fan. That was one of the best games I've ever been to. I'm a huge basketball fan. Anyway. So speaking of Mary and I went to the Celtics game together. I got us seats that were not on the floor, but they weren't in the balcony. So they were like, kind of like middle tiers. They were good seats. They were, I mean, we could, we had a direct line of sight to William and Catherine and yes, to answer your question, not your question necessarily, Jessica, but like the collective question, the Waleses were booed. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was way more exacerbated and blown up in the press than it, than it actually was. But apparently that happens to most, if not all celebrities that are shown on the jumbotron. And I want, I want you and our listeners to think about this. So Boston is a very Irish city. Okay. And then, you know, we've talked on the show about tensions between Ireland and the UK before Mm -hmm. Boston is also the epicenter of the American revolution. So that's not lost on me. And If you'll keep this in mind, USA and England had just squared off less than a week prior in the World Cup. So America, like Team USA, was at an all-time high when they were there. And, you know, Celtics fans are there to watch the game. They're passionate Celtics fans. They probably were annoyed with the extra traffic and security and pomp and ceremony. But the Celtics won. They beat the Miami Heat. It was actually a really good game, really close game. We had a great time. And as someone who loves sports, as I said, it was one of the most electrifying games I've ever been to. I was so into the game that I actually forgot that William and Kate were there at one point. I was so into the game. So I know I'm rambling. Do, well, do you have any questions about Wednesday? <laughs> well, I was going to mention, you know, back to the Celtics, you know, you said it's a very Irish city. Wasn't it in Ireland recently when Catherine kind of got heckled by that lady in the crowd? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's that. And then two, if you're an American and you don't follow the Royals, like you probably don't really know a whole lot about them. And, and you, you know, don't care. You don't right. care. You're, you know, you're just like queen or at your game. Right. So that, I mean, that makes sense. I, I, 
I sort of feel like the booing wasn't necessarily in protest to them as individuals and more so no. as just um, people are rowdy at games and well, it was more like, you know. <laughs> let's get, let's get on with the game. Let's get on with the game. And then, so we walk into our section and at the moment we walk into our section, this guy is chanting. This is, I probably shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to, cause I promise you guys that, and this is like, who cares? This is just some random Celtics fan, but he was chanting Megan Markle. And then you know how like everybody goes like clap, 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 clap. Oh and my gosh. Anyway, so they just, you look, they don't care about the future King Queen of England. They're there to watch their team play basketball. And it's just one more minute that they're not watching their team play basketball. So I would not read that much into the booing. It really wasn't that big of a deal and people got over it. So Thursday was a day full of three engagements. I stayed up all night, Thursday into Friday, uh, writing, I can't speak, writing at the hotel bar. I seriously spent most of my time, if I was not in in an engagement or in an Uber, I was at the Boston Park Plaza restaurant. I think I ate literally everything on that menu, clam chowder, lobster rolls, fish and chips. I mean, flatbreads, like literally everything. And I became very friendly with the Boston Park Plaza hotel restaurant and bar staff. So shout mm-hmm. out to them if they're listening. Cause I told them about the podcast. Um, they were wonderful to me. And it, <laughs> this is funny. At one point, a server who I guess could tell by the, I don't have a very good poker face. So I guess he could tell how stressed out I was trying to meet deadline. He came over to me <laughs> unprompted and he looked at me so seriously. And he said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, sir, whoever you are. But um, anyway, so Friday morning was the highlight of the week for me, truly, and probably honestly, one of the highlights of my life. So I was chosen completely, <laughs> completely at random to be the pool reporter for Catherine's engagement at Harvard on Friday morning. So if you remember what I said a minute ago, there was no fixed point at this engagement. So that meant that I was the only U.S. print journalist in the room, which is crazy. Again, no pressure, she said sarcastically. So it was me and a UK print journalist, and then a couple of photographers who I got really close to these photographers, because when you're the thing about Royal tours, it's, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. You have to get there really early to do the security sweep. And then you just stand around and wait. And then all the action happens. And then it's madness trying to file the pool report, get it filed, get on to the next engagement. So anyway, I, I got close to the, there's the guy named Joe from Boston. Hi, Joe from Boston. I guarantee you he is not listening and has fully moved on from his Royal experience, but um, just a couple of photographers were there. There was a camera crew or two, William and Catherine staff, who I also want to shout out the Kensington palace staff. They are so lovely, specifically Lee, Edwina, Ed, just all of them. Um, I also want to shout out, I ran into Mackenzie from your Royal closet. We've had her on the show. We interviewed her. Awesome. Remember? Yeah. I ran into her. She was in the crowd. Um, I think, I think I saw on Instagram that Kenzie Schofield was in the crowd too. I didn't see Kenzie, but Mackenzie and I did speak. And so hi Mackenzie. It was so great to meet you. I loved seeing you in person. So, um, anyway, so just being close to, so close to Catherine and I was so close to her for, probably about an hour and a half. It was just a dream come true. She is truly everything you hope she would be. She's elegant. She's beautiful. She's kind. She carries herself like her carriage. Her presence is so regal, which I guess naturally makes sense. She will be queen someday. Um, She's also, so at Harvard, we were at the center for the developing child. And 
She is obviously very interested in the work that we were at Harvard to discuss, which is early childhood development. So it, it just made for a really fascinating morning. So Catherine was wrapping up her engagement. And so anyway, so she walks in, she meets the Harvard president. She meets all these people from Harvard. She sits down and she signs the Harvard guest book and all someone who also signed the Harvard guest book on September 4th, 1986, which was three weeks to the day before I was born. So that was pretty special was King Charles. Of course he was then Prince Charles. So she saw his signature. Then she signed. It was really a cute moment because she couldn't remember the date. So someone offered it up to her because <laughs> she signed her name and then she signed December 2nd, 2022. And she was just absolutely lovely. Then she went back into a room where she talked with five people from the center for the developing child. They had a really interesting conversation. And so anyway, so as Catherine was wrapping up her engagement, we learned from Edwina, who is one of the KP um, press staffers that she, that Catherine was going to do a surprise walkabout outside. And there were probably a couple hundred, few hundred uh, people assembled outside of this building at Harvard. So I got the chance to walk right behind Catherine. Again, I'm only the only print journalist here. So wow. I got to walk right behind her as, and I honestly, I tried to stay out of the direct line of the cameras because I did not want to end up like not posing like you know like you know how a candid shot is just like you look mm-hmm. terrible and like you're gonna look terrible standing next to the princess of Wales anyway but like I did not want to be in the background of all these shots so I actually intentionally kept back a couple of feet but I did end up in the background of a couple of people's photos which is fine who cares but um getting to walk right behind her as the crowds went absolutely wild for her was an experience I will never forget she she really did a great job because she Edwina Edwina told us what path she was going to take which is it's interesting because everything is so strategically planned it's like planned down to the minute right and so Edwina was like she's going to go she's going to walk out of the door she's going to hook to the left she's going to spend some time there she's, then she's going to hook to the right well then there was a whole crowd of, of people across the street too and Edwina never mentioned that Kate was going to go across the street. And I just think Kate did it on her own because she wanted to, which was so cool. She was very generous with her time, probably about 10 ish minutes. And then she hopped into the hybrid Range Rover and that she and William had been riding around in all day and sped off to the rest of her day. And so um, as this is happening, so some people would say maybe, I don't think anybody that listens to the show would say this, but some people would say that I got the lesser of the two assignments because William and Kate each had an engagement going on at the same time. Kate was at Harvard on Friday morning. William was at the JFK library with the president, with President Biden, as well as Caroline Kennedy. And so I could not be in both places at the same time. I've never wanted to be in two places at the same time so much as I did then. But the difference was at the JFK library, there was a fixed point. So there were a lot of press there. And at Harvard, it was just me. I was the only print journalist there. So I think I got the better assignment. I I, I wouldn't change a thing. So anyway, um, yeah, I would have taken Harvard with the Princess of Wales any day. I think. You yeah. Did too. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely I definitely I think got exactly what I was meant to. So I filed my pool report. I ate a lobster roll at the hotel restaurant as fast as I could. <laughs> And I got oh, wait, wait, wait. Side note. Yeah. How do you feel about lobster rolls? 
I wish I had more time to enjoy that lob. Like I, I've never scarfed a meal down so fast because I filed the pool report. The waiter is the waiter is getting off of his shift. God love these waiters who were just so patient with me because I was so in the zone. So I like took forever to pay them on the credit card. And so anyway, I scarfed this down. I looked at the time. I was like, oh my God, I've got to be at Fenway Park now. And like, and the big thing was to get there for the Earthshot Prize Awards. And they said, if you are late, you will not be admitted. And so I was, I, so to answer your question, I think it was good. I don't really remember it because I literally wolfed that thing down. Like I, and I'm not a fast eater. You've you've eaten meals with me. You know that I eat slowly and it it was good from what I remember. I I feel like everybody always talks that, you know, it's like the staple thing up North, you know, in in the Northeast and New England. And when I was in Maine a couple years ago, we, uh, you know, had to try one and I thought it was kind of bland. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was like, I thought it was a little bland. Well, it was cold. Maybe I got a bad one. (laughs) I remember that I was, it was served in a croissant and I didn't eat the croissant because mm-hmm. I'm trying to avoid carbs, which is the bank, like uh, carbs are the love of my life. So anyway, but I ate, I just ate it, like open the croissant. Anyway, I'm sure it was fine. I don't really remember. It was just, <laughs> I've never been so stressed out as I was this week, not just the top half of the week, logistically figuring everything out, but like just the experience of having to run like all over the place, engagement to engagement, Uber to Uber. It was wild. So um, I went down to Fenway Park for the Earthshot Prize Awards Friday afternoon. I got to sit with People Magazine's team, which they have one of the best royal reporting teams in the country. We've had Michelle Tauber on the show before. Mm-hmm. You remember her? I love her. It's great to see her. Um, I also got to hang out with Caroline Holloman from Town & Country Magazine and Carolyn Durand, um, who, of course, is like everybody I just said is, is a royal reporting legend, but like Carolyn Durand is really, I was very starstruck meeting her and, you know, we, it was just, it, she was lovely. Everybody was lovely. And, and speaking of starstruck, so if you have not had the chance to watch the Earthshot Prize Awards yet, I believe it's on their YouTube channel at this point, please do not just to learn about the great work that the winners are doing, but also to see so many celebrities. I mean, it was just sensory overload in that room. This room is not very big. And we had, presenters there like David Beckham he was a surprise last minute addition that like I mean be still my heart like I could have rolled over and died David Beckham Catherine O'Hara from Schitt's Creek Shalane Woodley Big Little Lies Rami Malek he played um oh my gosh the lead singer of Queen I'm Freddie Mercury um and I, I just performers were there Annie Lennox performed that was incredible Chloe and Hallie, Ellie Goulding, who was William and Catherine's wedding singer back in 2011. Um, Then, you know, for me, I hadn't really, had not sunk into me what I was doing because I was so busy that I never, I never had really the chance to be starstruck over the Prince and Princess of Wales because I was so busy that on, and so honestly, to be frank with you, scared and terrified of screwing all of this up somehow, whether it be for the pool or for Marie Claire, um, that I didn't have time to accept the gravity of what I was doing. But when I was in the press box at the Earthshot Prize Awards and Caroline Kenny, so God bless Michelle Tauber, if you're listening, Thank you. Cause I told her, I said, you know, I'm so disappointed that I haven't seen Caroline Kennedy yet because Caroline Kennedy, who of course is the daughter of JFK and Jackie, um, she is, she was William's host this week. And so she was supposed to be at the city hall event on Wednesday, was not there. 
as I said before, I was with Kate at Harvard, so I didn't get to see her at the JFK library. So I, and I, it really meant a lot to me to see her. And Michelle pointed out to me that there's Caroline Kennedy. And she also had her son, Jack, and her daughter, Tatiana. And finally, Jessica, in that moment is when I started crying. It just hit me like where I was, what, who I was looking at, what I was seeing, what I was doing. And of course, JFK is the through line throughout all of this because Earthshot is named after Moonshot, which is the famous speech that JFK gave. And I think 1961 or 1962 about trying to get to the moon by the end of the 1960s. And so that's why Boston was chosen as the second location after London. I'm rambling here. I hope you listeners are interested. I hope you're not asleep over there, Jessica, but, um, John Kerry was there, so many others. And then after the ceremony ended, I had the pleasure of having dinner with Caroline Holloman from Town & Country. I already mentioned her. Carly Ledbetter from the Huffington Post, who I ran into in the bathroom, instantly clicked. Um, Carly Ledbetter is just one of the best journalists. Uh, everybody is so talented. Autumn Brewington from the Washington Post. We had dinner I think honestly, the friendships and the networking were just as much of a highlight for me than anything else that week. And then so Friday night, I was up riding all night. I traveled home the next day. It was a dream come true and a once in a lifetime experience. And even though the first two days, Wednesday and Thursday seemed overshadowed by other events, I think by Friday, William and Catherine really hit their stride in this tour and they pulled off a wonderful three days. So do you want to talk fashion? We have to do this. Um, yeah, I would, yeah. I would love to know your favorite look from the week and specifically, what did you think of Catherine's electric green dress on Friday night? Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm trying to think back now. I should have prepped a little bit for this. Um, I, so I heard that the dress was a rental, which I thought was, you know, really yep. great. I mean, it's in keeping with the whole uh, mission of Earthshot, I think. And, um, you know, the, the, the values of, of the whole, um, event and for a rented dress, I mean, it fit her like a glove. Um, that dress was stunning. Now, Absolutely. you know, I, I'm not a super huge fan of the bright neon sort of colors. Like I probably would not have chosen that dress. But again, we've talked recently about how pretty much any color looks great on her. And I, of course, I think she pulled it off. Not really, um, not really my favorite color, but, um, but I thought it looked, I thought it looked great and it fit her really well. So a lot of people are calling it the green screen dress. A lot of people on Twitter are doing really bad things to the green screen dress. And oh, really? Yes. But I mean, look, she looked stunning in person. Her makeup was great. Her hair was great. Of course, she accessorized it with Diana's choker, which Diana's worn as a headband in the past. Um, I mean, that dress was sexy AF. It had a slit. I mean, she is body con is she just looked incredible so she and William all week were very much mirroring each other in their styles so they they get off the plane and like they were color coordinated basically the whole week um she rewore a Chanel jacket to the yep. Celtics game she, and we saw her in houndstooth one day yeah she was in houndstooth at Harvard roll tide so, yeah <laughs> that is not what she was thinking but every one of my Alabama people were like oh we knew she loved Alabama and I'm like that's not at all what was on her mind no, but okay whatever you want to think do you want to know my favorite look I want to know your favorite look of course you get 
Was it the maroon burgundy look on Thursday? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I really like the, it's the maroon pantsuit. She had a small bag matching shoes and like the pink pussy bow blouse. And she coordinated with William. He had a maroon sweater, which yeah, I thought they were coordinated the whole week. So great. Um, and that was the day that, oh my gosh, they met the little boy dressed in the little guard outfit with the roses. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That in my heart. I loved it. Yes. Yes. There's so many stories that that came out of this trip. And you know what? After the award ceremony ended, so the, the ceremony ended pretty early. I'd say around six or six thirty seven. And then they had a re- private reception after, which I was not the pool reporter on this one. So I didn't get to go to that. That was fine. I was exhausted by this point anyway, and had to go back to the hotel and get to work. But um, they left that night. They flew out Friday night and it was a private departure. I don't know if they flew commercial. I doubt it. And then, you know what they did the next day? They went to a fundraiser at the kid's school on Saturday night. Like that wow. was what I was thinking the whole time. How are these two upright? Because they got off of a commercial flight, immediately, excuse me, immediately went to work. Boom, boom, boom for three days, jet lag probably. And they just, and then they just went to the kid's school fundraiser. So, I mean, I thought the trip was really, I, you know, I, in the beginning of the trip, I was really worried that it was going to get bifurcated and over overshadowed by Susan Hussey and then Harry and Megan. But I think all's well that ends well. And I think that it, it turned out really well. And I wrote an article about this for Marie Claire, but I happened to catch, this is one of those things where if you're not on the ground, you're never going to catch this, but the Earthshot. So the way that the Earthshot prize awards ended up on YouTube or on PBS, wherever you watched it is not how it, like it, when, when you tape an award show, I say this, like I've been to so many award shows, but like they tape it out of order. And like, you know, there, there has to be set changes because Annie Lennox has a set. Chloe and Hallie have a set. Ellie Goulding has a set. So in one of the set changes, they played a clip of Ed Sheeran singing visiting hours from last year's Earthshot prize awards. And if you've ever heard the song visiting hours, it's very sad. It's about someone that's passed away and how they wish they could tell them things and how they wish they were still here. And I looked at William the whole time because of course I'm thinking, you know, the queen has just passed away and these lyrics are so moving for someone that's just had a, a death like that. And for the first part of the song, no one was talking to him. Kate was sitting there with them. They were at a little small table and there were a couple of other people at the table, but no one was talking to him. And Jessica, he I I couldn't see his, I could see him from the side, but he looked so pensive and so lost in his thoughts. And then somebody started, I think it was Kate. Somebody came up to him. Somebody started talking to him and it kind of broke him of the moment, but for, for a solid 30 sec, 30 to 45 seconds, I thought he is so, I mean, I couldn't tell if he was crying, probably not, but just the lyrics are so moving that I thought he's, he's, really lost in his thoughts down there. And it was just kind of a wonderful moment that you just had to be in the right place at the right time to see. And um, again, that's the benefit of on the ground reporting. And by the way, as I wrap up Boston, William and Catherine were not the only ones to have a big night out that week. I do want to mention, as we reported on in an earlier episode, Edward and Sophie went to the Royal Variety Show performance on Thursday, December 1st. Sophie also was in the U.S., 
who she came to Washington, D.C. to accept an award from Hillary Clinton at Georgetown University on December 5th. And I know you put that up on our Instagram story. So that's Boston. I know that was like, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but. The whole trip sounds like a whirlwind. And I mean, you talk about William and Kate, you know, doing so much, but honestly, I feel like from the reporting side, it sounds exhausting. Like it was, it was, it was. I think the reporters were working harder than, I mean, the royals were working hard. They were jet lagged. You're right. But the reporters were jet lagged too, if they came over from the UK and, Mm -hmm. um, or other time zones. And I I think everybody was just working super, super hard. So I am glad that you had, uh, the experience of a lifetime. Um, thank you. I, I know you will not forget that. And so while you were gone, I was trying to keep up, you know, on the Instagram and share some photos that I got from you and some other ones I saw online. And I did put a question box up and I asked our followers on Instagram if they had any questions for you. And so I pulled two that I thought a lot of people probably wanted to know. And so I'll ask you really quickly. So first, Mary asked, uh, what were the sizes of the crowds at the events? They were pretty big. So Wednesday night was huge, definitely bigger than I thought it would, especially because the weather was so bad, probably about a thousand. Um, Friday at Harvard, there were a few hundred, definitely, definitely two, I would say two or three. It's very difficult to gauge how many people are in a crowd. Um, now the Earthshot Prize Awards, I got to the ceremony before the green carpet opened. So I, I had to get up in the press box way, way early. Like I said, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. So I did not get to see the crowd assembled like for the green carpet arrivals, but I'm, I mean, from the photos I saw, it was huge. So I think they were really well received there. I mean, I just, I, I was impressed the whole time with, with, um, the interest and especially at Harvard, there were tons of, and it was freezing. It was Friday morning. Then there were a lot of people out there. Well, okay. So we've got one more question that I'll share. Uh, Vicki asked, did you get to shake William and Catherine's hands? I did not. So there's a lot of, I, I got to like have a moment of eye contact, like an acknowledgement of hello, but there was no like, it's just, there's so much protocol. Like we hear about this all the time, but I did not get to shake any hands, but I was with Catherine for probably an hour and a half within a foot of her. And did you get to speak with her directly? Only in, only in a passing acknowledgement of each other's existence. Like I didn't get to ask her any questions. So, and, and I didn't know what I was going into. So the way that it works is you don't ask, like, I'm not Oprah, nor would I ever pretend to be, I'm not like asking her one-to-one questions, but the, the pool report comes from me watching her engage with the president of Harvard or all of these people that are researchers for the center um, on the developing child. And you're actually. documenting the whole thing. And I'm documenting that. And I'm docu- basically I'm documenting their conversations. So that's, that's where the content comes from. So, well, thank you so much for sharing that experience with us. And I know our listeners um, enjoyed hearing really an insider's perspective that we don't it was get to hear so much. cool. It was so cool. May there be another Royal tour in my future. Although I will say that the Caribbean (laughs) tour in March was eight days in three countries. I do not mad respect to those journalists. I did three days in one city and I was tuckered 
out. I was exhausted. I don't know how they were going to three different countries for eight days. Mad respect. I'm not, I have not yet built up that stamina yet, but maybe someday. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and move on to some other stuff that we've got in the Royal Rundown. Like we said, we've got a jam-packed episode. So we'll go ahead and chat about a couple of other stories that we wanted to share. Um, so we were just talking about meeting the Royals. Well, there was another event at Buckingham Palace last week where um, there were several people there that got to meet the Royals. And that was the annual diplomatic reception, um, which was held on December 6th. And it was the second time in less than a month we got to see the Princess of Wales in a tiara. So that was super, super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, that diplomatic um, reception I think it's generally attended by more than 500 uh, members of the diplomatic corps. And of course, you know, the king and queen consort were there as well as the prince and princess of Wales. Um, In our last rundown, we did talk about the other tiara event where Catherine had the white gown and the updo and the lover's knot tiara. Saw a lot of comments online about how people wanted to see her in something different because she wears uh, the lover's knot pretty frequently. It seems like it's a favorite of hers. Um, And so people have have grown accustomed to seeing her in that and we're looking for something different. So she gave us what everyone was wanting. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know if she saw or heard about the comments, but at this reception, she showed up in a red Jenny Packham gown and the Lotus tiara um mm-hmm. you know she also I thought really gave us a surprise by wearing her hair down for this event and you know Rachel I saw the photos and I just wondered how her stylist did her hair because the volume that mm-hmm. was going on behind that tiara I yeah, mean I'm yeah. almost wondering if they did some like clip-in extensions or something to kind of lift up her hair because there was a ton of volume did you notice yeah. that Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, as someone whose hair never has volume, I was like, give me some of that. I don't know if it was like teased or back combed, but yeah, I mean, yes. Give me whatever, whatever hairspray she's using. will sell out in a minute if that was ever released. Well, you know, also her hair is really long and usually the longer your hair is, the heavier it is. And so it's even yes. harder to get that volume. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, anyway, she looked great. Um, you know, and, and I'm going to say from my perspective, I agree it is fun to see the Royals try out different tiaras and different jewels, uh, but I totally understand why she prefers the Lover's Knot. I mean, it is really a classically beautiful tiara, and I think I would probably pick that one frequently yeah. as well. Yeah. But what was your overall impression of this red gown and the Lotus tiara look? Oh, she was stunning. I mean, I absolutely. we never see her with her hair down when she's wearing a tiara and she looked, I mean, the dress was beautiful. Jenny Packham nails it every time we, I mean, just can't get enough of Jenny Packham. And then her hair was just, I mean, and it just looked really, it looked, the hairstyle looked perfect with the tiara that she was wearing. I thought she looked beautiful. Totally agree. And okay, I have to share this on the podcast because one thing I just got tickled over with myself this week, um, I was actually looking at tiaras online and, you know, we hear a lot about Camilla never really wanting to be queen. You know, we've talked about that with the Mm -hmm. crown and other, you know, books about the royals, how people have always said she really didn't want to be in the spotlight. You know, I think at one point she had said she just wanted to be a mistress, honestly. Um, (laughs) I think Christopher (laughs) Anderson told us that and that was shocking to me, but yes, you're right. 
Yeah. So anyway, I thought it was so funny this week when I was looking at these tiaras because have you ever noticed how extremely large the ones that she <laughs> uses are? <laughs> yes. And you know how I feel about this sapphire tier. We're going to talk about that in a second, but yes, right. I do notice. I mean, they are like, can't miss large. And so I was like going through trying to remember the names of the different ones. The one that she wears the most is the Greville tiara. I think that's probably her favorite. And mm-hmm. then another one we've seen her in before is the Dubai Durbar tiara, I think. Look those up. They are both enormous. And I just got tickled thinking about how this lady that didn't want to be queen or be in the spotlight, <laughs> you know, picks the most massive tiara she can find and, you know... I was like, well, she might not like the spotlight, but she likes the sparkle. So (laughs) (laughs) I hope listeners have a little laugh over that with me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now that you say that now we'll never be able to unsee that. And so (laughs) for, for the second time in two weeks, we saw Camilla on Tuesday, the sixth in her late majesty's Belgian Sapphire Tierra. I I guess, obviously she heard my comments on podcast Royal about I wasn't a big fan. And she said, well, Rachel, you better get used to me in this Belgian Sapphire tiara because here I am again, second time in two weeks. Also, fun fact, Camilla is a cover girl again this month. She is on the cover of Good Housekeeping. And she looks beautiful, by the way, in in red. But um, anyway, the Sapphire tiara is fine. It's just I'm still getting used to it not being worn by her late majesty. So um, the same night of the palace reception, which was December 6th, Harry and Meghan, of course, stepped out in New York City to accept an award at the Robert F. Kennedy Ripple of Hope Award Gala. It's not lost on me that the Kennedys, who I consider to be America's royal family, if there ever was one, hosted both the Prince and Princess of Wales. So I would consider that the JFK branch. So Caroline Kennedy, who is the only surviving member of that nuclear family. So JFK, Jackie, JFK Jr., Caroline. Caroline hosted the Waleses in Boston. And then the Duke and Duchess of Sussex were with the RFK branch in New York City the same week. So it's like the British royal family meeting the American royal family in Mm -hmm. crossover. So Meghan wore bespoke white Louis Vuitton. Wondering what you thought of that look. I was sort of indifferent on it. Um, I, I didn't dislike it. Um, I thought it was it was fine. You know, it wasn't like anything um, totally, totally different. But I did think it was interesting that she and Catherine both did the off-the-shoulder look. I know, um, which I and love I an kind off-the-shoulder of, look. Well, I was kind of surprised by it because I wouldn't have expected, honestly, either one of them to do that. And, I mean, both of their dresses to me I thought were um, – were very pretty. Um, again, like, I don't, I don't know if I would have necessarily picked either one. Um, but it was kind of odd how, cause I was just sitting here thinking like, is that, has that been like really on trend lately? I, I don't recall seeing a ton of people in off the shoulder dresses. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like it was in several years ago. Um, so I don't know this because I, I just wrote, go ahead. I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, I was just going to say, it just kind of stood out to me. Like I didn't expect that. Well, I've been noticing because I just wrote a fashion roundup piece for Glamour about Kate's looks this year. And Kate has been doing a lot of off the shoulder this year, actually. And I don't really think of it as one of her signature looks either. But if you'll remember um, the, oh gosh, was it, I think it was Jenny Packham again in um, Jamaica. Remember that like tool green dress, like, like stunning 
you like oh, that dress was yeah that was gorgeous she that was also off the did shoulder. the, yep. um, the mm-hmm. tom cruise movie premiere yep 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 the, the top gun off the shoulder so it's kind of becoming something that she's gravitating towards more well speaking of harry and megan it is certainly no secret their docuseries on netflix dropped last week whoa, so- whoa, 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 whoa. wait you're telling me harry and megan have a docuseries what? what? <laughs> oh, I forgot. I I did, what? Did you guys? <laughs> did you hear about it? Um, yeah, no, it's no, been. What you talking about? It's been all over the internet, and Rachel and I have watched the first three episodes, just so everybody knows. But we are aware that there is a part two with three more episodes that will drop tomorrow on so we're recording on Tuesday but when this comes out it'll be Wednesday so tomorrow um December 15th and so we have decided to wait and watch it in full before we discuss it on the podcast and that's partly because we want to review the full series and provide fair commentary it's also partly because this episode is already really long <laughs> so well, yeah we, we just like don't have time talking about a movie halfway through it it's like why right. would why would we do that so and I, I think the most you know probably potentially damaging parts are yet to come so true uh, well we'll see what happens so I will say that our first impression of part one and I'm kind of speaking for you a little bit Rachel here even though I know we chatted about it but we thought it was kind of a snoozer so there wasn't a whole lot that we haven't already heard if I know I was I was trying to chat with several of our followers on Instagram um last week when the first part dropped and I know some people said they didn't plan to watch it some people said they didn't have Netflix so if you haven't seen it um you know we've got a couple key takeaways and a few points that we'll make next time that we chat about it but there was nothing really that we haven't already heard from them in this first Mm -hmm. part when I did poll our followers on Instagram, I think when it closed out somewhere between 65 and 75% of people said they plan to watch it. So, um, we'll check back in, um, in the next episode and, and we'll talk about what we, what we see this Mm -hmm. week. So, um, moving on from that, um, you know, well, we've got some royals who have distanced themselves from royal duties. We've got others who have been trying to move closer to some of the responsibilities that come with royal titles. Um, you know, recently we talked on an episode about counselors of state, and we found out that um, hardworking royals and siblings of the king, Prince Edward and Princess Anne, have been granted the honor of being counselors of state for King Charles. Um, We, you know, when we did that recent roundup, we kind of went into some detail about what that looks like and and what that means, but um, it has officially happened, and it essentially just to recap again, they could be called in to stand in for the king if he's unable to fulfill an obligation. Um, And if you remember in our last chat about this, so Prince Harry, Prince Andrew, and Princess Beatrice were on the list of counselors of state. um, And none of them are really true full-time working royals. One of them lives across the ocean in another country. So realistically, you know, it would be difficult for them to stand in for Charles if needed. I think adding Anne and Edward to the mix will allow Charles to call on them as well if, you know, if if something does come up. And then I'll also point out the Queen Consort and Prince William are also on the list of people who can stand in for the king. And, uh, you know, our hope is that none of them will ever have to. Um, But they did go ahead and expand that list. Um, 
If you do have questions about how people are chosen for this role, you can go back and listen. I feel like we've talked about this a ton, so I don't want to go through a you know, through it all over again, but mm-hmm. long story short, it's based on the line of succession. So I feel like um, we talk about this every single episode for the last three episodes. So. <laughs> yeah. It's if been kind of like a developing a story. You can go back and listen. We've been talking yeah. about this forever. Um, all right. So next up on our list, we've got some fun and festive Christmas news. The King and Queen Consort have released their 2022 Christmas card. We did share it on our Instagram on Sunday. So listeners might have seen that one. The inside of the card, if you if you missed it, it's got a simple short message that reads, wishing you a very happy Christmas and new year. The card also contains a photo of Charles and Camilla where he's kind of looking off into the distance and she's looking at him with a smile on her face. So the photo that's in the card was taken in September right before the passing of the queen at the Braemar Games in Scotland. So this is an annual affair in Scotland where Scottish heritage is showcased and traditional Scottish games are played. Um, The photo, of course, is just a close up of their faces. But at that event, Charles was dressed in a green tartan kilt paired with a tan um, plaid vest and coat and red knee socks. And Camilla, of course, coordinated with Charles by wearing this green coat and red tartan detailing along with uh, brown leather boots. And she had this green hat that had a thin feather right across the front. And I'm sharing that to provide context because I think if you just saw the picture, you might wonder, like, I don't, I, I don't know, like. Camilla's outfit, like the choice of the green hat and the feather to me, if you didn't know where she was or what she was doing, it might feel maybe a little out of place. Mm -hmm. Um, That was just kind of my opinion on that photo. But going back to the Christmas card, royal photographer Samir Hussein took the photo that they used. And while we may not all get a copy in the mail, we do get to enjoy it since they have shared it on social media. Um, And then plans for this year's Royal Family Christmas look like they're going to include Charles and Camilla staying at Sandringham, much like the late Queen used to do every year. Um, And of course, they are expected to invite other members of the Royal Family. So we may see his siblings, Princess Anne and Prince Andrew and Prince Edward. Um, And I also imagine we'll see the Prince and Princess of Wales and their children um, in attendance as well. So. As to Charles and Camilla's Christmas card, we all deserve someone to look at us with adoration the way Camilla is looking at Charles in this photo. She is looking at him (laughs) like he is the best thing walking. Also, late breaking news, the Waleses, which I'm still getting used to calling them that three months later, the Waleses have released their Christmas card as of today, Tuesday, December 13th. It's very casual. It's the five of them walking together hand in hand, and I think it's beautiful. What did you think? Oh my gosh, I loved it. And, you know, they've given us some photos in the past uh, of like this cozy, warm Christmas feel, which I also love. But this, you can definitely tell, was taken back in like the spring or summer. And it's got the beautiful, sunny English countryside in the back. And they all just look, I mean, they just look so happy. And yeah walking together. William looks like such a dad. And and I mean that in a great way, but you know, (laughs) he's like, you know, got his jeans and his button up and, um, and they're all holding hands and I love it. It's a great photo. I agree. So going back to some other Christmas plans, you know, traditionally 
family members um, will attend, royal family members will attend the Christmas morning church service at St. Mary Magdalene Church, um, where they greet members of the public. And of course, everyone knows the late queen would broadcast her Christmas speech that day as well. Well, this year, we can expect Charles to broadcast his first Christmas speech which will be at 3 p.m. local time. So definitely look out for that. Mm. Rachel, do you have any predictions on what we might hear from Charles on his first Christmas Day speech? Gosh, I, I'll get to your question in a second, but I'm just thinking like, you know, I'm 36 years old and this will be the first time in my life. It is a part of my family's Christmas tradition. So it broadcasts at 3 p.m. local time. That's 9 a.m. here. Mm-hmm. I've always lived in central time zone. And so every Christmas morning of my life, of my life for 36 years, we've listened to the Queen's speech. And that's just, again, hitting me like that's not going to happen this year. Um, By the way, about the King, I guess the King's speech is what we're calling it now. Normally, the family gathers at Sandringham to watch that together. They will not be doing that this year. So I don't know why. (laughs) Charles is like, you don't have to do that. Well, we're mixing Mm -hmm. that part of the program. Um, I mean, I think it will reflect a lot of what we heard in his first speech as King. I think it's going to be a lot about um, his mom. I think it's going to be a lot about firsts. I think it's going to be a lot about family. Um, But I always look forward to this speech every year. I've never missed a single one. So we'll see what he says. Well, one last reminder about the Royals and Christmas. Don't forget that the Princess of Wales will be participating in the second annual Christmas concert called Royal Carols Together at Christmas. Um, And that actually occurs tomorrow, December 15th at Westminster Abbey. So she recently made an appearance on social media to promote the event. And that event will be narrated by another Catherine, but it will be Catherine Zeta-Jones. And it will include performances by several talented artists. And in Catherine's photo, the Princess of Wales, or I'm sorry, in her promo, she wore that really beautiful red sequin dress that we actually first saw her wear back in January 2020 at an event at Buckingham Palace. And it was actually on my list of favorite royal looks for 2020 when we did an episode on our mm-hmm. podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I love this dress. I think it is so beautiful. It's by Needle and Thread. So go look on Instagram if you haven't seen that. I think I shared it on maybe on Sunday on our account. But mm-hmm. The Princess of Wales will be joined, of course, by her dashing husband, Prince William, and of course, the king and queen consort, along with service members, community volunteers, and key workers. And those in attendance will be remembering the late Queen Elizabeth II in this event this year. So while the concert will take place tomorrow, it will actually air on ITV on Christmas Eve. So um, yeah, you can watch it on Christmas Eve. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I I hope that this becomes a tradition that takes place every single year. Me too. Year two this year. Okay. So really brief segment two Royals around the world. So a couple of quick Royals. It's really just one Royals around the world item for you. So on November 29th, before the controversial reception with Susan Hussey, which was later that night, Camilla hosted Crown Princess Mary of Denmark and Queen Rania of Jordan at Clarence House as a part of the 16 Days of Activism campaign hosted by the United Nations. Always love seeing a Royals Around the World crossover event, especially those three women um, are just 
some of my favorites. So, and then later that night, they were joined by Sophie, Countess of Wessex, Queen Matilde of Belgium, Sierra Leone's First Lady, Fatima Matabio, and Ukraine's First Lady, Elena Zelensky. And honestly, it's such a shame that that night, November 29th, got overshadowed by Susan Hussey's ridiculous comments because it really was for a fantastic cause. And there were lots of royals around the world there. And we love to point that out when that happens, which it doesn't always happen. So that, my friends, is it. That was a big episode. We had a lot to talk about. And I think we did a pretty good job of keeping it timely. So episode 80 in the books. Yes, I think we did. And I hope uh, listeners could keep up with that because I feel like I was just talking super fast this episode. (laughs) You were great. Hey, before we go, I want to read, this is the last minute edition, but I want to read a great review. We love these five stars and we love a good review that we got on the show. So from Chicago Gals, they gave us five stars. Thank you. This and said, this is a great podcast. The ladies are well-informed and provide interesting insight and top-notch interviews. Fun to listen to as well. Keep it up. Well, you know what, Chicago gals? I think we will. So thank you so much for that kind note. It really does make our week. It does. Yeah, it's always fun to hop on and see a, a review from someone. And I know it takes a little bit of time and um, you have to put some thought into it. So we really, really appreciate it. And it definitely... Um, energizes us to keep the content coming for you guys. So thank you again. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at podcast Royal. Email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And please follow, rate, and review our podcast. Um, again, you know, we always, always appreciate that. Um, only only review us if you've got five stars. So, but <laughs> Yeah, seriously. If, if, if you have an issue with us, just email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. It'll get to us a lot faster. So. And thank you so much again for tuning into episode 80 of Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye. Thank you.